for you. And uh, our title of our message today is God Calls You. Um, I just want to start off by saying that you're called. You're called. I don't know what your week looked like. I don't know what um, it looked like for you. But in, before we get started in our message today and look, look at and define what God's calling is for your life, I just want you to know that uh, no matter what you did, no matter where you've been, God loves you. You're loved, and he's not done with you yet. I'll say that again. He's, you're loved, and he's not done with you yet. Amen? Man, that's so good already. All right. In our story today, we're going to be looking through Jonah 1 through 4. Has anybody ever heard the story of Jonah? Yeah, some of you? Yep. Okay. Um, he's a prophet. And for those of you that don't know what a prophet is, a prophet is someone who is called by God empowered by God, and used by God to communicate his message in unique ways. And uh, Jonah, he lived during a time where an evil king, (laughs) well, not evil king, but the king did what was evil inside of the Lord. His name was King Jeroboam II. And this is kind of interesting, and this is important to the the message that I'll, I'll speak on. Because during this time, the Israel was divided. It was a divided kingdom, Israel on the north and Judah on the south. But this is interesting because even though there was a king who was in power, who was doing what was evil, God still released his blessing and his kindness. And that's the theme that you see throughout Scripture, that God releases his undeserved kindness to all of humanity. And you're going to see that in our story today. But um, specifically to when Jonah was living, uh, there was a blessing over Israel that Jonah spoke and uh, they experienced God's blessing, military success, and um, they restored Israel's borders from their enemies. And so it's pretty interesting, and I think it's going to tie in with how Jonah views things, too, in the message. But before we, before we go into our scripture here, let's bow our heads, let's pray. Let's invite God in. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity just to hear your word and know more of who you are. God, would you come in and just soften our hearts. Speak to us, Lord. Help us to know you, to know your plans, your purpose. And what you call us to, and that you do call us, that you do love us, that you're not done with us. And I thank you, Lord, that your word, your plans, your purposes will be accomplished. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. All right. So I'm going to, if you have your Bible, you can turn to Jonah 1. I'm going to go through that. I'm not going to go through chapter 2, probably, because there's just so much in all of this. But I'm going to go to Jonah 1 here. So now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down to it, into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners, or, or sailors, were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. 
Let's pause right there in our, and let's look at the scene of what's going on. So Jonah, God called, for, for, for those who don't know, Jonah, is, he's a prophet, and he's not living according to the prophet's standards that were set for a prophet. But God's not done with him yet because <laughs> God has a calling for his life. And so God has a calling for our life. He has standards for our life. And truthfully, we, I know for me, I have not always lived up to his standard. But thank God for grace. That's why we talked about that in the scripture. Through grace, we're saved. Amen? And so God's patient with us. He's patient with Jonah. But through this, we see that even though Jonah tried to run, like I told you, God's will is going to be done. His calling for you. God still used this to show him what he was going to show him in the beginning. So it's just crazy that uh, even though he tried to run from that, he's going to show him what he wanted to show him and how he was calling him. So Jonah didn't agree with God's plan, but he ran. And he thought this. He thought that he knew who God was. He had a personal relationship with him. And see, that's the thing. When you have a personal relationship with God, when God's going to speak to you. He's going to give you a word. And you might not always agree with it, okay, because Jonah, he didn't agree with it. He had in mind what God's calling was for his life. And his plan kind of superseded God's even though that's not necessarily right. And sometimes that's how it is in our life. And I can agree with Jonah on that too. And actually God would show me the same message that I'm going to give you today. And a lot of times you're going to hear me go through my points, and I'm going to tell you the points, but you're not going to, I'm not going to tell you them yet. But you're going to hear them. A lot of times God speaks in, in the message here. He spoke to Jonah several times telling him the same thing over and over again. And for those of you know that have kids... <laughs> You got to tell them over and over again until they get it, okay? <laughs> That's how God is with us as well. He tells us over and over. He tells Jonah over and over until we get what he's trying to communicate to us, that he calls us. He has a calling for us, okay? So pay attention to see if you know my points here because I'm going to go through them, but I'm, um, I'm going to communicate them through as I go through the message. So here we go. We got Jonah who is disobedient to God, and God would still use his disobedience, okay? And I'm here to tell you that just like Jonah was called to go and share the good news, share, in this sense, judgment to a people, when he ran away, uh, um, God would still use him. And God calls you, too. Even though you run away, God still, he still calls you. And he's commissioned the church, actually, to share the good news of Jesus, that people can be forgiven and have a personal relationship with him. But a lot of times we do this when God gives us something that seems impossible or hard. And Jonah did the same exact thing. Jonah actually went the opposite direction and actually paid to, to go actually on the sea with sailors and go 2,500 miles instead of 550 or 500, about 600 miles to where God's calling him to. He was willing to work harder to go somewhere else. <laughs> But it's crazy because he tried to walk away from God's presence. And God is like, all right, Jonah. In our first picture here, we're going to see that God still shows Jonah. I don't know if he saw it in that moment because I know that I don't see everything and learn everything in the exact moment. i got to look back on it. And I don't know if Jonah necessarily understood the message that God wanted to deliver. But even though Jonah was disobedient, this is what it costed them. It, it came at the expense of other sailors. And these sailors in our story are, are worldly people who, it, you, see, you saw in the scripture as we read, they, they don't believe in the God that Jonah believes in. They believe in all these false gods, okay? And this is, this is might step on some toes here. What was Jonah doing 
when, when, when he was on this boat, and there's a huge storm going on. What is he doing? Some of you are. I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. Just teasing. I'm just teasing. No, no, I'm just teasing. No, he's, he's sleeping. He's sleeping. That's some of the church today and God's calling for their life. I'm sorry if that's hard to chew on. I had to chew on that myself, too, because I was asleep to what God's calling, too. And uh, you know how God got Jonah's attention? The captain, a worldly man. What are you doing? Don't you know there's a storm out here? And they're looking to their gods, and nothing. their gods aren't answering because they're nothing. Their false gods are nothing, literally. So they turn to someone who has the answer. And he's asleep. Through Jonah's disobedience, we can learn from this, though, and we're able to see that, that God calls us to something, but there's a cost in following God. Let's continue in our story here. Or actually, no. Yes. Let's find out what happens next. Let's find out what Jonah says here. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell, on, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And he said, to, and of, the, of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea in the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is it that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more temptuous. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to the dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more temptuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord. Have done as it has pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him in the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lording exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. See, the thing is here, when you follow, Lord, when you follow God and, and, and you're in relationship with him and you don't do what he says, he's going to discipline you. <laughs> he's a good father. He's going to discipline you. But through this, we can learn through Jonah's disobedience here the message that God wants Jonah to understand and wants us to understand. It's this. Listen to this. Who brought the storm? God did, right? He allowed the storm to come upon them. Who was disobedient? Jonah. But so were the worldly people who didn't believe in God because they're in disobedience of believing that he's their Lord, he's their Savior. But what does this picture show us here? That God's judgment is coming not just upon the worldly people, but believers too because it's, the Bible says that all humanity has sinned. It wasn't just because of worldly people who don't know him, who, who didn't believe in him. It's because of all of us fall short. And this is the message that God wanted Jonah to understand. That, hey, his judgment is coming upon the people 
and the church is asleep. They need to wake up, but realize it's not just because of the world's sin. It's because of all humanity's sin. What did Jonah realize he had to do when he was running away from God's presence? And truthfully, a lot of times that we have to do when God calls us to something. He had to humble himself. Oh, I, I know what it is, guys. I, uh, it's me. You got to throw me off. <laughs> Just take that in for a second. There's a storm going on. There's a raging storm. They can't row in it. They have to throw all their stuff off of their ship, and you can't even, I mean, dude, that's like suicide. <laughs> throw me in it. Jonah, well, this is what God wanted Jonah to realize, that when God calls you to himself, when he calls you to a place, a people with a message, when he calls you to those things, it's going to cost you to follow him. It's going to cost you. This is the picture that Jonah needed to learn, and this is the picture that we can hopefully get, because that's what the Old Testament's there for, to learn from someone else's example so history don't repeat itself. A lot of times history repeats itself. So I'll be the first one to say amen because it's hard sometimes to accept that cost of following God. Jonah would have to give his life, literally. <laughs> Do you guys, are you guys picturing that? Like he literally would have to uh, jump off, be thrown off. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that you have to jump off into a crazy storm. I'm not saying that easy there. I'm not saying that, okay? I'm, what I'm trying to get you to see here is the cost. You have to surrender. But it would show you a picture. Jonah would experience just a small glimpse, a foreshadow of what Jesus would do. What happens next? Let's just continue on in our story here. The Lord appointed a great fish. Don't say a whale. People will get mad. A great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You know that's a foreshadow of? That's a foreshadow of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And that's insane because he was still alive. <laughs> but as a prophet, the Spirit of God rested upon him. So it was God's Spirit that helped Jonah to endure that. It was God being present with Jonah, helping him through that. Okay? And something I missed that I want you to see here is that when Jonah's thrown off the boat, what happens to the storm? Stops. Stops. When, jo- when Jesus dies on the cross, we can be forgiven. Death is defeated. We can, our God is alive. So that means you and I can have life. That means... Yeah, we might go through storms, but hey, we have some hope. The world around us doesn't have hope. That's going to cost you something. Might not be death on a cross. Might not be being thrown into an ocean. <laughs> but it's going to cost you surrender. As God calls you to himself, he's going to, the cost is surrender. It's going to cost you your life to follow him. He doesn't just give you something without expecting something in return. I think... Um, He's expecting the very same thing. You know what? A life surrendered is one of the, I've heard this on the radio. A life surrendered to God is the, one of the most powerful things a person can have. And Jonah's surrender was the very 
picture of how God would release his mercy and forgiveness instead of judgment. You see that, because the storm stopped. Now, he does that through Jesus, but he wants to do that through us, too. That's what God would do to, in the rest of the story, too. He's going to repeat the same message that he's trying to communicate, okay? Through Jesus, it would be dying on a cross, the world sins, through you and me to share a message of God's love to people in a place he's called us to. Truthfully, we don't deserve to share that. We deserve, truthfully, hell. But Jesus allows us, he seats us in heavenly places like that scripture that we talked about. He allows us to experience his presence, to know him, and to share this message of hope. So Jonah's swallowed. And get that picture. He's swallowed in this great fish in his stomach. (laughs) In chapter 2, it says that his seaweed's wrapped around his head. (laughs) That would be hard to breathe. I mean, can you just imagine all that slime all over you? And If you're claustrophobic, I'm sorry. That would be hard. But you see that a miracle is happening. But you also see this. And Jonah claims to, he makes several claims that point back to Sheol. What is Sheol? Hell. That he's facing what's something that seems like hell or death itself. You're right, Jonah. Because in the cost of following God, sometimes it feels like all hell's crashing down on us. But it's, it's more of a dying to ourself that is happening. There was a dying. There was something that needed to die in Jonah. But so that way it can give birth to something else that God was trying to do in him. And that's exactly what Jesus would do. Jesus would die to save us from our sins, but he'd be raised back to life to give us new life. I'm not saying you have to die on a cross. I'm not saying you have to go and hop in a, fish's, a great fish's belly and stay in there. I'm saying the things in your life you'll, and God, what God has called you to, you're going to have to surrender. You're going to have to be willing to die to yourself. I mean, come on, get married and, man, have a kid. Wow. Okay, time to die. Not very fun. <laughs> and I'm not saying that in the literal sense, okay? I'm, I'm about to get in trouble here. No, I'm, I'm saying literally like you have to give up your preferences. You're, you know what I'm saying. Come on now. Be easy on me. Come on. It's worth it. Both paths lead to death, just in case you weren't aware. Both paths, following God and not following God. <laughs> One's worth more. Having a family, leading them to Christ. Leading my little girl to carry the name of Jesus. That's my heart. God's calling on my life. To himself, to a place, to a people, with a message to deliver. So Jonah, he's in this fish, and he realizes that salvation doesn't, humanity's hopeless. He's facing death. Humanity's hopeless. There's no hope in humanity. This is the message that God is hoping Jonah understands. And he says it right here. He says in in, in chapter 2 that, hey, okay, I will do everything that you want me to do, God, what I vowed. But I can't give salvation because that belongs to you, God. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It was in that moment when Jonah realized that he's vomited out of this fish and onto dry land. And it's crazy because God is directing all of this. That is a miracle for Jonah to be in a fish and and directed by this fish and alive in this fish still. I mean, he probably stinks, but 
But God's will is still being done. Chapter 3 occurs. Aren't you glad for second chances? Aren't you glad for God's great patience, his kindness? I know I am. I messed up so many times, said, no, God, I'll do all these other things. (laughs) That. For those of you who don't know, God called me to Nebraska. I didn't choose this place. I didn't choose you. <laughs> Just teasing you. No, but seriously, truthfully, though, I, I didn't. I didn't know what it was in store. So this message that I'm telling you, it, it rings true to me, and it's, it'll ring true until he's done accomplishing his will through me. But anyways, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh that great city, and call out against it the message I tell you. Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going on a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. I just want to pause right there. In case some of you don't know, I didn't go into detail on this. I totally forgot to. Nineveh is actually known as a place. Uh, let, me, let me help you. This is an ideal place for a vacation spot in case anybody wanted to go back in this time and check it out. It's a city of blood, uh, violence, uh, lies, plunder, uh, prostitution, and all sorts of wickedness. So if you enjoy a vacation spot, this is a good place to be. I'm just kidding. It's not a good place. It's kind of a wickedness that has come up before God, and God was going to bring judgment, but he desires to give mercy. That's his word. He desires to, his, to reveal his undeserved kindness. That's the gospel, people. That's the gospel. None of us deserve his kindness. And there's a history between the Israelites and the, and, and, and the Ninevites, the, what would be known as the Syrians, okay? So Jonah probably hoped that God would bring judgment on them. Those people? Oh, I know those people. And they deserve what's coming to them. Any, has any of you guys said that before? <laughs> I know I have. You don't have to answer that. <laughs> Anyways, that's where God was calling them to. And um, I, I, Jonah realized that God wasn't a God of judgment, but he's a God of mercy, too, and kindness. And what did the what did the and this is crazy because you're going to an enemy who you have history with, and it's enemy. There's an enemy ter- enemy territory, so you have to be pretty bold and courageous. You're, he's not going with an army. He's going by to preach the word that God's put on his heart. It doesn't. The Bible doesn't say necessarily how he preached it, okay. But he was finally obedient. God worked out the rest. What does that tell you and me when we answer God's call for our life to himself, to the people, to the place with the message that he's called us to deliver? It's not necessarily all about how you do it. It's about relying on being obedient to what God's spirit spoke to you and the word that he gave you to deliver. Amen? The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, and covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of, of the king and his nobles. Let neither nor man, man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let, let them not feed or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out to them mightily to God. Not their God that they, believe, that they believed in. To Jonah's God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent 
and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. I'm here to tell you today, this is what God desires for the whole world. He sent his son to die on the cross to release mercy to whoever believes in him because he doesn't want anybody to perish, but he wants us to have eternal life. God does not this is, what we're, this is why Jonah was called to this place. It was to show you and I a picture of what God has called us to, that he's called us to a people. It might not be our preference of people. It might not be our place of preference. It might not even, we might not even agree with the message and, and who it should be delivered to, but that's not in our hands, truthfully. <laughs> that's God's. He, he already has our plan and purpose. We're his handiwork. We get the privilege, the honor to share the gospel and the good news. And the Bible doesn't say that the king knew of his mercy, of God's mercy. But maybe Jonah did talk about it. There is some speculation that, 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 because I don't believe that you can tell people just God's judgment. And actually, the classes that I took, you're supposed to teach the whole counsel of God. And as a good father... Tell, as he tells to his kids, he makes it real, the good consequences, but also the bad ones. And then says, you choose. That's the gospel right there. You choose. There's bad consequences, good consequences. What happens when they turn from their evil ways and they humble themselves? The Bible says they fasted. They were repented, they turned from their evil ways, and God was merciful. God was merciful. Jonah knew that was going to happen because Jonah knew that he was a merciful God. (laughs) We're not in charge of people's response, but we are called to be faithful to delivering the message at the place and the people that God has called us to. And when we do that, God releases his mercy and forgiveness and love once they respond to that. But that's not our job for, to make them respond. It's just to give them an opportunity to respond to his mercy. Let's pick it up in, in, in Jonah 4 here, and, and let's, let's, let's finish it here. So, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country, that that it is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you were gracious God and merciful and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Wow. And the Lord said, do you well? Do you do well to be angry? What a good dad. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. A little pity patty, a little pout. He sat under it in the shade till he, he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. Oh, that's kind. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it was withered. When, when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. He asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. 
Oh, once again. But God said to Jonah, do you, well to be, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor. Nor did you make it grow. Which came into being in a night. And perished in a night. And should, I, should not I pity Nineveh? That great city in which there are more than a 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. I want to unpack this here just a little bit. You see in the first part, Jonah had an agenda of how he thought God's calling should come to pass. I knew you were going to do this, God. What does that say? He had expectations how he think God should have moved. Well, if he doesn't want them to have mercy, what's the other option? He wants them probably to have judgment on them. But our agenda will, when, when our agenda supersedes and mine has, and, and I still need the Lord's help in this area. When our agenda supersedes and comes before God's, we're in disobedience. We're in sin. God's patient. <laughs> Let me look. He's patient with Jonah. He tells him the same message over and over and over and over and over again. That's what he literally did to me for four years. And probably even more than that. Told me the same message over and over and over and over and over again until I got it. <laughs> it isn't until Jonah learned to surrender his plans. Die to what he thought. Die to his, his, his plan of, oh, you should, you, you should have judgment on them. But the Bible talks that God, he knows what, he knows the righteous judgments. He, and he doesn't, he, he's judging accordingly, but he doesn't want to release his judgment. That's why he sent his son. Why would he do that? Why would he send his own, one and only son to go through all that pain? Why would he do that? Why would he send us through everything that we have to go through in life? Because he wants people to see his mercy, his undeserved kindness that you and I have received. But now we are the messengers. He has called us to himself. He's called us to a people. He's called us to a place. Sometimes the only thing that gets in, in the way of that is, does anybody have a mirror? I need a mirror. <laughs> it's the truth. But God doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't reject him, Jonah. He actually helps his discomfort, helps him comfort him. But he doesn't just comfort him. All right, Jonah, takes away the plan. <laughs> Get back out there. Still a plan and a purpose for you. What was God trying to show Jonah? You care about this plan. I was here one day and gone the next. You didn't even put any work in for it. What I'm trying to help you see, Jonah, is that I have creation. I created the whole world, created these Ninevites that don't know their right from their wrong. And I've called you to myself, to this people, in this place with a message. The message is this. I desire mercy, not kindness. That's God's calling for our life. God calls us to himself, my first point. Because we have to receive that through Jesus Christ. If you never accepted Jesus, 
as your Lord and your Savior and know what he did for you? He gave us something that we didn't deserve. And he even took it a step further and he's like, all right, I'm going to give you a responsibility. To go now to a people. That's my second point. God calls us to a people. Or I'm sorry, to a place and a people. Either way. You get the point. <laughs> With a message to deliver. That God thought Jonah understood. That salvation belongs to God. That kindness. Everything that God had given Jonah to deliver. It all belongs to him. Okay? And God has entrusted you and me. The church. To share this with the world around us. We need to wake up. Will you respond how Jonah has? Stay asleep. Or be faithful. Will you be faithful to what God has called you to? That first step is the relationship with him. To receiving his love. His kindness. And we're not saved by our works. It's by everything that he did for us. But it doesn't just stop there. That's not the gospel. If you have committed yourself to him, this is what it looks like. A covenant relationship. When I chose Lizzie, I could have chose any of tons of women all throughout the world. And I'm not saying that disrespectfully. I'm just saying. But I chose to be with her forever. That's the same. This is God's idea. A relationship with him. Nothing else before him. He's got to have first in every area. And we got to continue to surrender our hearts to him and die to ourselves. Because that's what marriage like told me it feels like. <laughs> that's actually what Pastor Brent told me too. He's like, you're going to understand God even further. Oh, thanks, dude. <laughs> um, so I'll close with this. Will you be faithful? And with the worship team can come and join me. Will you be faithful to what God has called you to? To himself, to a place. Maybe it's work. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's somebody he places on your heart. For me, I've already answered that call, and I want to continue to answer it every single day. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed. You've never accepted Jesus. You never heard what he did for you. But you know he desires to give you his, his mercy, his kindness. Whether you're here today or you're watching online, if you want to accept him as your Lord and Savior, but not just that, surrender your life and give your whole life to him. If you want to follow him and accept the calling that he has for you, I want you to pray this prayer. And if everybody can pray this prayer with me as an encouragement to those that are joining us in this journey. Saying, Dear God, please forgive me of my sins. Thank you for your kindness that I don't deserve, but you freely gave. Help me to not just receive your love, but to give my whole life to you and to share your love with the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.
that's who you are. Merciful, kind, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. You desire for us to experience, to know your mercy, your kindness, and not judgment, Lord. Wherever we stand today, Lord, would you help us to respond to whatever you're calling us to, whether it's stepping into that relation, first relationship with you, accepting you as our Lord and Savior and following you, or it's being faithful to the people that you've called us to, to the place with the message. Even if we don't think those people deserve your kindness, neither do we. Would you help us to understand your great love? Help us to be faithful to your call. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think I'll turn it over to Pastor Brian here. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Randy. God calls us to be all in. Amen. The most miserable place to be is to be part in, like Jonah. God, I'll serve you, but I'm not only do what I, I want to do, not what you want me to do. And when we follow God's word, there's going to be a lot of things that kind of, God is kind of like, oh, I want to do that, God, but I'm not supposed to. I shouldn't. If I want to glorify you, if I want to please you. And so we have to die. We have to die. We have to surrender. As long as we walk that fence, we're going to be the one most miserable people out there. It may not actually be in a whale, but it may feel like it. Live your life all in. Then you can be like a Jonah and you can go and do what he's called you to do. And it's kind of like Jonah preaches. I don't know if he even gave it his best because he was the reluctant prophet is what we call him. And yet 120,000 people repent fast and seek God. It's pretty incredible, folks. It's one of the greatest revivals that we see in all of Scripture. One of the greatest things. So. God bless you this morning. There's some coffee there. Hey, the ladies, for Sunday back, we got coffee back there. And so the ladies have it up and running. Feel free to finish those things off, fellowship. And uh, next Sunday, we're going to talk about one of the greatest miracles in the New Testament. How many want to experience a miracle? So, come ties in well with what Andy's talking about. So. God bless you this morning. Greet each other as you leave.